right. Welcome to another edition of Mike Checker, the show where I talk to dope people doing dope things. I have somebody super dope on the line, a childhood friend doing her thing. People don't know. I don't think people remember that you ran track. Yes. <laughs> the pride of gateway technical. <laughs> um, mm-hmm. Now she's a dancer, art, uh, author. I mean, yo, you can, I mean, you danced in how many different cities at this point? Oh, I don't know, but I will say, you know, because of, you know, dancing, I've, I've seen the world, all, all 50 states internationally. So I appreciate that, you know, I was able to take my passion and uh, make it my career. So, yeah. So Chloe Davis, thank you for coming on. I appreciate you coming to hang out with me and just talk about your life and what you've been doing. Oh, thank you. I mean, old time friends, you know. Yeah, I, mean? I know, right? I mean, I know you a long time, man. A uh, long time, long yeah. time. <laughs> so let's start from the beginning. Okay. Um, so were, uh, you were you born, raised in St. Louis, or where where are you your original your roots is here? Absolutely, born and raised in St. Louis. Um, yeah, I I. It's funny because I still like my parents still live in the same house that I grew up in. So um, Pasadena Hills, that's <laughs> the area. Um, but yeah, I'm born and raised. I went to Antioch Baptist Church. I know I know some shout outs out there. Um, <laughs> but I, you know, went to Mount Providence, which was like, you know, closed now. But yeah, yeah, you know, from our Providence, I mean, that's a that's a that's a lot of people that went there on the line. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. It's like legacy. I'm also telling my age, but you know, it's all right. <laughs> but then Gateway Middle, then Gateway High, you know, that was my school. And um, you talked a lot about track because yeah, I was a I'm a track kid. Like my dad, um, John Davis, he was the coach at East St. Louis Senior High School. So I had to be a track runner as well. I ran for both Royal Knights. I ran for the Railers too, and also the Blues. But um, my my senior year and in high school, I decided to do a program that actually took me over to Germany to train. So I went to Germany, trained a bit on the Hunter Hurdles. And when I came back, so this is what happened when I came back, I um, decided that I was going to go to Normandy because that's where Actually, my childhood coach, as well as um, Coach Mack, who who trained me a lot as well, was you transferred to Normandy. I did. I transferred to Normandy, and I was literally there for three months. So I got back to the U.S. in January, and I started school back school in like February because my mom was like, "Chloe, we gotta get you in school," because at the time difference was huge. It was like a you know six seven hour time difference. So I would be sleeping during the during the day and up at night. And my mom was like, girl, we gotta get you in school before the cops come get me. So right. <laughs> it's funny though. And you know, I, I love how supportive my my parents were because you know, I went over to, you know, to Europe to to really like hone in into my my hurdles, my hundred meter hurdles. And when I came back, um, my coach had left Gateway. And so I was like, I need a coach to train. And so my dad was like, well, you're not coming to Eastside, even though, you know, Coach Fenoy was- was, I'll ask you that. Why didn't you go to Eastside and run run under your dad? He said, baby, no. (laughs) So I said, I'm not going to argue with dad. And then I was actually thinking about um, some other schools, but my mom was like, you know, she's the brain. So she was like, what about Normandy? You know, Coach O is there, Coach Mack is there. 
And I said, right. And she was like, and it's your neighborhood school, you know, stop cheating and using the dresses. For the <laughs> but, you know, no lie. No, we still had, we had a house in the city. So I was cool. But, um, so, you know, I was like, you're right. So I, um, I went to Normandy and that was a whole thing. that was a whole thing. It was, um, Gateway was mad at me. <laughs> um, but I have to they say, try to petition you or like say like like try to stop heard, yes you heard about this okay so this 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 hasn't gone away so yeah so I went to Normandy um I um I, I am I was a I was a scholarship athlete right or a scholar athlete and so I was you know my mom and dad wasn't playing I had to be really good in my academics and so when I came and also Gateway was just amazing school but when I came to Normandy my GPA put me in the place of the salutatorian, right? So that's like the second highest ranking in the school. And um, there were a lot of people at Normandy that did not appreciate that, that I was coming in and, you know, moving people out of the rankings. And so, yes, there was a petition against me for being their salutatorian. Um, but what I wanna say is that my track team um, and my coaches were, even though we had literally, well, some I've known already, like I've known for a long time, but some we were just met, but they were really supportive of me. And they were like, they shut the, excuse me, shit down real fast. And um, it was very supportive and was like, you know, you can't petition, you know, someone's GPA, right? Just <laughs> were very supportive. So, you know, that was, that was a little uncomfortable. I'm not going to lie, but I love that track team. And I want to say that that year, you're 2000. So I, I am telling my age. <laughs> thousand um normandy we um normandy ladies lady vikings we received second in the state of missouri um what y'all went y'all went to state that um, y'all went second in state that year we won second in state that year we did we had some outstanding outstanding athletes and that year i you know and i did i said i said i wanted to win state um in the 100 hurdles and i wanted to break the record and i did it that's exactly what i wanted that was a goal i had all through high school and, you know, I did it. I broke the record twice, actually. Um, so in the prelims or in my semifinals and the finals. So, you know, it's interesting. And I guess, you know, sharing that story is really a lot like who I am. It's like I, I'm goal oriented, right? Um, and that my dad gifted me with that. He, he's very dedicated in setting goals and, and making sure you, you accomplish them, but also not being afraid to put yourself in uncomfortable situations to be able to, you know, um, really, really evolve and grow, right? Um, I did, you know, going to Germany, that was so, that was such a beautiful experience, but I was also scared. I was 16 years old. Yeah. Um, You're there by yourself. I mean, basically. In, in yeah, by myself, years. but I did, I did have, I did have family, which was good. I had um, a cousin, I had two cousins that were there because they were in the military. So that, okay. that was a great support. But yeah, no, I grew up really quick, right? You know, just leaving the country at 16, that was a big deal. But then coming back, making those hard decisions, you know, loving Gateway, loving my friends there, wanting to, you know, graduate with my friends, but just knowing that I had a goal and I wanted to win state and how I was going to do that was with a good coach and Coach O and Coach Mack were there and we did it. Like the goal was set. Um, so yeah, that was my journey with high school. And then I actually went to Hampton University and uh, love that. I pledged Delta Sigma Theta sorority. <laughs> the best sorority. Um, and I also, you know, there again about like pushing. I wanted to be an NCAA All-American. I did it. 
Um, but this time I was in the 400 hurdles and I didn't, I didn't like that race, but I was good at it. <laughs> well, I mean, cause you, you, you sold too long. It just hurts. Like, I mean, any 400 hurts and then you have hurdles on top of that. That just, that just hurts. Um, but it's interesting cause I'm talking a lot about track and field because you know, that is, um, what I think St. Louis really knows me by, but also oh, dancing. I was, I danced the whole time. But I feel like um, when I was at Hampton, you know, I ran track. I was on a, both an athletic and a um, athletic scholarship, but I was still really passionate about dance. And there was um, a company there, the Terpsichorean Dance Company. And I joined that and that's what introduced me to this world of like black dance. So when we talk about like Alvin Ailey and the company I was a part of, the Philadelphia Dance Company, um, Philodanko or Cleo Parker Robinson, um, just so many different, you know, uh, dance companies around the, the country. That was always my love as well. So it's interesting because after I graduated from um, Hampton, I decided to get my master's and I was going to Temple and Temple was in, is, you know, located in Philly, yeah. Philodanko is there. So I had this idea. I said, yeah, you know, I'm just gonna get my master's and, you know, I'm also gonna dance with Philodanko. I thought it was like- oh, Let me go back a little bit. Why didn't you continue track as a professional or anything along those lines? Yeah, so a really big thing happened. So um, I like, so in 2002, that's when I um, became an All-American in the 400 meter hurdles in CAA Division One All-American. And I was progressing, but um, a big thing happened my, I wanna say junior year going into my senior year, but um, I was running and a girl in the back of my Achilles when I was doing the four by four. Wow. Mm -hmm. So that actually put me, well, could have put me out because um, I was injured, you know what I mean? I could yeah. And my coach was actually like, you should redshirt. And I was like, I don't want to redshirt because I'm not trying to stay here another year. I'm ready to go, you know? Um, so I actually, it's interesting because I did go back to NC's um, my junior year, but I had to train, I trained myself and I actually was, um, because I was destined to go, but my coach was like, you're hurt, but I'm like, I'm gonna get better. So I actually thank my cousin who like really studies track and field and um, he, introduced me to like um uh aqua aqua aerobics or just like aqua therapy as far as like healing yourself and training in the water so I would do that and I remember uh, my assistant coach was like well Chloe you have only one more chance to qualify and it was this local meet and I and I did I hadn't like touched a hurdle that whole season and but I was I was training myself in the water and you know muscle memory and so I qualified for NCs but and I went, but I was so scared because I just wasn't in shape. I wasn't prepared. Um, and then I feel like that kind of did something to my spirit. So then the next year, mm. a senior year, it just got harder. And I don't think I necessarily healed properly from my Achilles injury. And um, I remember actually when I graduated, my dad also retired that year. And I told him, I said, daddy, I'm going to take a sabbatical from from track and field and he was hurt he was like what you mean <laughs> Boy, that was a big year that was the olympic year and if anyone knows a little bit about like you know when you're an athlete and you're like you know you are you know preparing yourself for that professional world you know you train four years like mm -hmm. 
as we're learning about what's happening now with, um, you know, Tokyo, but you train four years, you literally train in a way that you peak in four years. And so that's what we were working on, but I got injured. And I think, I think I got a little burnt out. You know, I had been running since a little girl, since like six years old and I got burnt out. And, you know, I even asked myself, I said, well, what do you want to do? And I've always, like I said, my passion has always been dance. I feel like the challenge has always been track, right? And so I remember um, learning about Philodenko and I was like, you know what, that's what I'm going to do. And so I, and so that's what happened. I like went to Philly. Well, it wasn't a perfect story, but I went to Philly, um, thought I was just going to audition and get in the company. <laughs> so you just, I was going to show up. It's like, oh, it's me, Chloe. I did. Don't put me on. I did. Who, who am I? Who am I? But you know, it was great because it was actually a start of a beautiful journey of like growing. When we talk about confidence, you know, confidence is, can be given to you, but it's, um, it's not strong. When you grow confidence within self, that's what's strong and that's what's sustainable. I feel like, you know, if, you know, being, being in track and field and winning and, and working hard, you know, people praise you, you know what I mean? And then that, and, and confidence is grown that way. But I do remember in Hampton having to like build myself up and also going, so this experience with uh, Philodenko, I remember auditioning and it was like, and eh, no, <laughs> because I also didn't have a dancer body then, you know, I had a you know, I had a very like muscular, but not to say anything's wrong with that, but I was very like muscular and like a track body, very stocky, right? Um, that's not what well, wasn't the ideal body for um, a dancer or a dangle doll. So, you know, I had to learn, but I did eventually get in the company. Um, so is, 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 is it like an open thing where like, do you see all of the girls or is it like a one-on-one where you walk in? Oh, there? no. Yeah. So welcome to um, the industry. No, there's no one-on-ones. This is like an open, usually when it comes to like dancing, acting and singing, yeah, th- those will be one-on-ones. But like, if you're dancing, that's usually like a um, like a room where it's just all these dancers and basically you have a number and they're saying stay or cut. You know what I mean? It's it's pretty. So you guys are all dance at the same time and like somebody's walking around like with a little clipboard or something like, oh, man, right yeah, sometimes. Yeah. Oh, wow, okay. <laughs> yeah, or or you're like, or you do it in like small groups, right? Um, where they'll call your number and maybe, maybe group of five, group of 10, you do the combination and they will see either see everyone and then say, you know, numbers, blah, 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 please stay. And thank you, everybody else. And usually those numbers are very like small, like three people. Wow. Yeah. Out of how many people show up? How many people is their average? Like they show up? You know, um, it really depends. Like sometimes there can be, um, you know, over a hundred um, dancers there auditioning. Wow. Mm-hmm. So is there everybody, anybody you ever seen you like, man, they, they just playing. Like they're not even serious about this. Or is everybody there pretty much? If no, you, no, you don't, you come ready. You don't want to, you know, it's, it's a profession, you know, just like no one's gonna, well, first of all, you, you have to have the caliber to be there, right? It's just like football, right? Nobody's just, no one can just audition or I don't even know what you say. For well, me. I mean, well, they did. Well, I know there's a story once. Do you remember back uh, when the NCAA was letting, they, it was the, the Supreme Court rule that you could go out, go early to the draft. Remember mm-hmm. that one year? Okay. Okay. And the, and, and whatever it combine that year, they you could be any age. It was they said those kids showing up in like jean shorts, like any it was like an open call thing. And they weren't ready. No, yeah, it was like people that didn't even play in college. Like they're just like 
Yeah. I'm just going to try. <laughs> yeah. I mean, and that's nice, but what, the, but the truth of the matter is just like any sport, like dance is also a sport, you know, and you train, you, you train to, you know, proficient in what you do. So when you're coming to the audition, you know, you're going to come correct. And if not, you're going to get cut, you get cut quick. You know, it's, they're not here to mess around. It's, it's a job. It's what you get paid for. It's a 52 weeks um, contract. You know what I mean? It's, it's, it's a job. It's, it's lucrative. So um, yeah, but I, I auditioned, didn't get it first time, but what I will say is, um, I'm thankful because the artistic director, Joan Myers-Brown, saw something in me and told me to still come to company class, which was very unusual. Um, and so what I was realizing is that she was, um, it was like I was apprenticing and she was just working with me. And, you know, after a few, like about almost nine months of that, then auditioned again and got in the company. And then oh, was I was kind of like an apprenticeship. It was an apprenticeship type of internship-esque thing of like, hey, you know, I don't know what she called it because the company had never done it before. I think she just saw something in me and just saw that I needed just to be, you know, honed in, molded, you know, and understood because I didn't come from a conservatory, right? So a lot of things about dance, you have a lot of you know, dancers, artists that come from conservatories that like that, that's, that's what they went to school for. You know, I didn't, I, I was at Hampton, I was in the Terpsichorean Dance Company, but I was running track, right? Like, yeah. wasn't taking, you know, ballet and modern and Horton and Graham, you know, these, 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 um, you know, technical styles that usually are taught in conservatories. I wasn't doing that. You know, I was just coming with the pure essence of I love to dance and you know, but you still have to craft that technique, just like you see like a great, you know, young basketball player, you know, he could be great, she could be great, but she still has to, or they still have to know the skills, you know, um, to be proficient in the sport. And it's the same thing with dance. So yeah, that was a little journey with dance. And that, I guess that's what takes me here now. I, that, that's who I am. I'm a performer. I'm an actress. Um, I'm a dancer. I was with Philodengo for about eight years. And then I transitioned to musical theater. And uh, so kind of that's where I am now. I, you know, I'm about to make my Broadway debut in a new show called Paradise Square. It's gonna open in Chicago first and then come to Broadway. And I'm also um, making my another, it's kind of like Broadway debut times two because yeah. I'm also um, going to be the associate choreographer for a revival called for colored girls who consider suicide when the rainbow of course we know that we know that so it is coming to broadway back to broadway so is that it's gonna be a musical style this time though instead of a normal instead of a no, play so the beautiful thing about that um uh, uh piece by intozaki is that it's a choreo poem like it's yeah. always that so um it is a choreo poem so i'm a part of the um um choreography team I'm the associate choreographer so it's not that it's a musical but there is movement it's a play but it's a choreo poem so that's what it's what it's regimented as so you know you could say it's musical theater you could say it's you know a stage play but it is a hybrid and that's how Intizaki created it so I'm very excited because this is only this is the first um first of all this is gonna the the choreographer and director her name is Camille Brown she will be the first um, black woman to ever choreograph and direct um, a play, a musical on Broadway in Broadway's history. So it's just an honor to be a part to of that. Do both are to do one, both are, are to do, do one of So, so it's really, um, 
it's a, a, it's very prestigious to be able to choreograph and direct a show. And as of now, no black woman has done that. Wow. Mm-hmm. So I'm really excited to be a part of that experience. And also um, there's only, this will be the third production in Broadway's history that um, features an all black female cast. And the first was actually for Color Girls, the original. Really? So, exactly. So what's the, what's the second? Is it Dream Girls? No, no, that's not all black. Um, it's really? Black. Is Dream Girls not all black? Wasn't no, because they're well, all black female cast, but there's also, oh, oh, okay, okay, okay. Yeah, but okay. no, but Dreamcurls also has you know its other um, characters that are not black, but um, but no, um, Eclipse. It was um, Lapita was in it actually. Okay, but this was uh, a few years ago. That production was the second, and for Color Girls Revival will be the third. So. I'm excited to be part of this history, you know, celebrating black excellence, black identity, women empowerment, you know, um, which is, which needs to be seen more on Broadway, so. Okay, all right. I mean, because uh, was in, uh, I mean, I guess it, it's been all black plays on, in uh, musicals on Broadway, but not an all black woman play, basically. Not that many, you're saying, basically. Not an all black female cast. Got you, okay. Okay. Right. So that's like ain't you, your arms too short the box with God. I thought that was one, but I, but I was thinking all black cast, period. Yeah. All black, all black female cast. This is dope. Okay. Mm-hmm. Okay. Is it, uh, so is there, uh, so let's, let's take, go, go back even with your other plays and uh, musicals. Where was, what is your fondest one that you've been a part of? Were you like, man, like this one spent, been, meant them a lot to me doing to be a part of this production. Man, there's so many, but I will say making my, um, Met debut, Metropolitan Opera debut in Porgy and Bess. You know, I, so I have this thing, like I I have, I really center like my creative platform on like amplifying the narrative of black culture, black identity, like feels good to me. And a lot of times I have to admit in the industry, there's not always space for that. And if there is, we're fighting for it. So I'm, I'm very proud of being part of productions where it's like, I get to tell the story of my ancestors, you know. Um, so definitely the Metropolitan Opera debut of Porgy and Bess. And another thing, you know, it was special because only one time in the Mets history, which was Porgy and Bess back in, um, I want to say the, it was even before I was born. Yes, yeah, 70s. 30 years that, that Porgy and Bess was um, debuted at, you know, the Metropolitan Opera House. The Metropolitan Opera House is the largest most prestigious opera house or just uh, venue in the world. And only one time, 30 years ago, over 30 years ago, did they have, you know, a black cast on their stage that that featured, you know, um, black identity, black. Is identity. this in Sydney? This is in Sydney or is this the one in no, Sydney? No, it's in New York, New York City. It's in New York, okay, okay. Mm-hmm. So they brought it back for the 2019-2020 um, season. And um, that was such an, a beautiful experience. It was like over 60 people on stage. And it just, the, the voices of these, you know, beautiful, classically trained, you know, singers and most of them making their Metropolitan Opera um, debut as well because of racism, because you know what I'm saying? It's just like- That's racism, right, 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 right. No, literally, you know what I'm saying? It's like, no, you know, we're only gonna pick a select few principles to come to our opera house. But you know, but Porgy and Bess, if, you, if you're not familiar with this 
Um, yeah, that's the one that um, Sidney Portier, Dorothy right. Dandridge, Sam, uh, Samet Davis Jr. Uh, in the movie. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, but yes, it it is it you know it it was um, created by the Gershwin brothers. They are pretty um, you know well known as far as like being composers and and all of that. But um, they're actually white men who created this musical or or this this opera. However, they were very adamant that going forward, you know, as as in as its original cast, it will only only hire you know black African American um, um, you know actors singers to to portray it. Yeah. So so that that has been great. But yeah, so doing that was really amazing because you know. It's you know you know that that T-shirt to say that I am my ancestors' wildest dreams. You know mm-hmm. it's just when you get a chance to be in a place and do something that you know before wasn't an opportunity. You know you you have to honor that. You have to you have to thank the ancestors before you for paving the way. You know, and I, I do that all the time. Like being in the positions that I am, it's not it's not. I didn't just do it because I was able to. It's because those before me paved the way to make a make a space for me to live my dreams. So, you know, when I'm able to do things like that, that's great. I loved, also loved, um, you know, I did a, um, a movie. I was in Ma Rainey's Black Bottom. I was one of the dancers. And, you know, that, that was really special, first and foremost, because, again, Black excellence, you know. Yep, August Wilson producer this is august wilson's work um you know viola davis is starring it you know the late chad chadwick bozeman you know um was extraordinary and also george c wolf who is just an amazing director to be in that space and I, you know, again camille brown i worked with her because she was the choreographer for it but being in that space again of like telling black stories being around black excellence that's just outstanding and that movie was 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 like so moving and it was heartbreaking at the same time because Chad, what Chadwick, Chadwick presented um, and Levy was insane, you know what yeah. I mean? Like, and, and also to know that that was, that, that was his last movie, right? Before he yeah. passed. And just to know that I was a part of that experience with him, you know, that. So, so did you get to meet everybody or is it kind of yeah. like, okay. No, no. And I mean, it was, a, as you saw, it was a very intimate cast. Yeah. It was, it was literally, you know, the main characters and and the eight dancers. So <laughs> it was a very, 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 very small, um, small cast. So it was a very intimate experience, and everyone was amazing and lovely and kind. And it was just, it felt, it felt home, you know. How was it being on that set of um, of a of a basically a play converted into a movie? Mm-hmm. A lot of times, sometimes it gets caught lost in translation because plays a lot more, uh, a lot more exposition, things along those lines. How was that process with that that you saw going from it being a play, August Wilson played to this film? Yeah, well, I mean, as far as the the process of like actually, um, you know, filming it, it 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 still felt like a film. You know what I mean? Where, and it was very. Um, efficient. I mean, a lot of times, if you don't know a lot about filming, it's like, you know, you can have multiple cameras going at the same time. You can mm-hmm. have one. It just depends on the shot. But we were hitting it. You know, the takes were quick because, um, you know, of the efficiency of the of the camera, camera people. But George C. Wolf is amazing. Like he, 
he just knows um, theater, he knows the works and he just knows, he also knows film, he knows, you know, um, so he's, he knows how to make this hybrid beautiful. The same with Denzel being the producer, like Denzel and Viola, like they come from the theater, like yeah, they yeah. theater. Um, and, you know, that's what makes them so profound. Um, so they know what needs, they need, they know the, the authenticity that needs to be presented um, in this film that the theater world gets. So I think the team itself just knew how to um, take this uh, play and make it still authentic and, and feel so vibrant, but also on the big screen, having that magic, you know, that comes from film. So I think the story was told beautifully. I mean, but I think a lot of people who don't understand film, they're like, oh, they under they, they saw that a lot of the set was, or um, the location was the same. Yeah. You know, but I think they did a brilliant job with, um, you know, going inside that space to make it the dimensional feel that we want and desire. Yeah, I mean, like you know, people love um, the movie Birdman, you know, and that's all in the same space for the whole movie. And it's one, it's supposed to be one camera shot that's tracking through the whole film. So I, I don't see that that being a you know issue for that film. I love the film, and Chadwick should have got the Oscar for, it, but you know that is what it is. You know, man, racism, right, racism. right. <laughs> and, and that racism was real ill because they let that category be the last one. It was like. Oh, so they're going to do that to try to do the last uh, uh, category with Chadwick winning to go out, you know, yeah. and you present oh, that no, no, no. usually it's, best picture last. Yeah, it's controversial. So I did read an article there was, that was saying that even before, you know, Chadwick passing that they were wanting to close with that because of the popularity. Right. Um, however, over time, too because of Chadwick passing and, you know, of course his wife accepting the speech. And because when she speaks, we all listen and she shuts it down. <laughs> you know, they were um, concerned that how, how, do you, how do you proceed with other categories after that? So that's also one of the reasons why they left it there. That is what they're saying, you know, um, that's what they're saying. Yeah, that's, I mean, that's what they're saying. And look, and look, the crazy thing is that Anthony Hopkins killed it in his film though. So it's not like, they gave it to, uh, you know, um, I mean, I'm not going to say nobody and this nobody, but anybody just random to get yeah, it. Yeah, and, you know. and you know, hey, whatever they thought, but, you know, at the end of the day, Chadwick is my hero. Yeah. He is many, many people's heroes. And he, the way he um, literally threw himself in that role, you know, you, you can't walk away from it without feeling, right? Mm -hmm. And to do with art art like i call it art activism like you know yes you can you know we, we can be funny we can be all these things but when you're an artist it's your job to like tell the stories tell the stories that have not been told tell the stories tell the truths you know um make people feel make people think and he did all of that so he did his job and again he's on your own so let's transition a little bit so now you become an author so now now <laughs> you use the track star then you go to you dancing, acting in my Rainey's Black Bottle, and then you want to add on it being an author. So let's, let's dive into this. Yo, you you know it. You make my life feel like it's just so amazing. And I'm gonna, it is though. It is. You know That's why you, this whole show is about getting people their flowers, <laughs> the dope stuff they're doing. And, I'm gonna you know. take it, but you know, sometimes it's hard to digest because of um 
because it's not just it's not that easy right you right know? and you're living it you're living it so it's like yeah i'm living it <laughs> i i cry i have attacks i have anxiety attacks you know i feel unseen unheard you know all of these things but the way you present it i just want to say thank you because it, it is a reminder of like life is moving and and god has definitely um showed me such grace and mercy and favor um but yes <laughs> an author. I still gag a little bit about that. Um, so interesting because in tandem with me being a performer, I want to say actually starting it in Philadelphia at Philodenko, this is where the idea came. So a lot of my friends are part of the ballroom scene. So if you don't know a little bit about the ballroom scene that, you know, you've seen it on Pose, of course, Legendary now. Oh, I thought you were to say ballroom. What was the movie with the... Uh... Bernie. No, Antonio Banderas in it where he was doing the ballroom dancing. What? Oh no, no, no. That's what no. I no, no, that's what I said. I was like, oh ballroom, yeah, the Antonio Banderas. Oh no, no. I'm a, I'm about no, to I know teach. what you mean. I know what you I'm mean now. Teach. I'm about to teach. So um Boy, uh, educate us because I was thinking Antonio Banderas' movie. No, no. So a lot of my friends are part of the ballroom scene, the black ballroom scene, right? Um oh stop. Didn't they used to have that at Sprues back in the day here in St. Louis? Probably, yeah. St. Louis has a scene. Yeah. Okay, yeah, I remember I said here, yes, it used to be at Sprules. I, I know people, it's a hood club, but for some reason they used to have this ballroom thing. Every it was an annual thing at the Spr at Sprues. Yeah. yeah, so um, so a little bit about that, a little more about the ballroom scene. We know it more so from for its language. So when we hear shade, read, what's the T? Um, and it's T capital T, not T E A. <laughs> but um when oh, we oh so people yeah. change that. I'm gonna talk about it for a bit. Okay, go ahead, spill it. So, um, so I, I say, I say, you know, a lot of my friends are part of that. So, just learning and hearing words that I was just so curious about learning more, right? Um, like, what does it mean? Where does it come from? Uh, the etymology, like, how did it evolve? Things like that. And um, I started just really being curious about it, and I would just keep asking, "What does this mean? And what does that mean?" And when I would listen, I'm like, oh, so it means this. And I would kind of regurgitate with this um, academic definition. And we thought it was kind of funny. And then I was like, yo, there's so many words and there just needs to be a dictionary for, for these words. And um, a friend was like, well, okay, well, when you write it, challenging me, right? Um, <laughs> when you get it done, let me know. <laughs> when you write it, then call it the Queen's English. I said, oh yeah, okay. And I didn't realize that that's what I was doing, but it was a passion behind learning um learning words language why why language is created why language shapes culture and i it's one of those things that you know language is language some people call it slang because it's not scholarly um but language is language language is created to articulate experiences ideas feelings identities that mainstream just doesn't have the words for and so you know language is created language shapes culture as we even know in our black american culture that we have language that we get, it's our culture codes and it shapes our, our values, our truth, you know, our identity. And I was kind of like diving into that with the ballroom scene, but then also being um, an artist and again, transitioning to musical theater like that, I, I was stepping into a lot of different cultures, right? And I, I wanna say um, different cultures when I say the LGBTQIA plus community, right? I also am a bisexual woman, so, I created 
this dictionary to oh what what is this the author right so i created a dictionary it's called <laughs> no, you can you spin it keep going right it. um it's called the queen's english um it's the lgbtqia plus dictionary of lingual and colloquial phrases and this is a dictionary that celebrates over 800 terms used to describe our collective gay and queer experiences to dive into um the vastness and the diversity of human identity whether we're talking about someone's gender identity, gender expression, sexual orientation, romantic orientation, um, and also your sexual anatomy. Um, it is to dive into um, all identities and the diversity of communities that live within this larger umbrella. So it's not just, you know, um, the white gay scene, but what does the black gay scene look like? What is the, you know, AAPI queer scene looks like? What is the youth? What is the AAPI? Explain. I mean so AAPI means, um, it means Asian, um, sorry, so A-A-P-I. So um, Asian American Pacific. Pacific Islander. Islander. Got you. I, I knew it. I was wondering yeah. just people. Yeah. People. Mm -hmm. I did like <laughs> a, yeah. Asian American Pacific Islander. Yep. Um, but also what does like the Muslim queer scene look like? What does, um, you know, just that kind of intersectionality with identity? Because a lot of times, well, first two things. A lot of times you don't necessarily have resources that, that dive into the spectrum of identity. And if it does, if it does talk, and when I say spectrum, it is that. It's not just about, you know, being heterosexual or being cisgender. What is cisgender? Cisgender just means like whatever the doctor assigned you at birth, check mm -hmm. girl, check boy, that's how you still identify. Um, and when you don't, that is called transgender. However, and both are valid, you know what I mean? It's just the thing that doctors usually assign check girl, check boy based on your sexual anatomy. Mm -hmm. But that is an often, often, that does not necessarily determine who a person is. Your sexual anatomy does not determine who a person is, again. Yeah. Um, and, and we also have to realize that sexual anatomy is not just sex characteristics of what is traditionally masculine or what is traditionally feminine or female, um, but is also a variation of both. And that is what intersex is. Intersex, um, we know that because um, we used to work, use this word that is just actually out, out of date and we shouldn't anymore, but it's called hermaphrodite. But that's not what you call <laughs> individual. It is intersex. No, no, it's funny you said that because yeah. I, I, I was reading a reading and it was, I was like, oh, wow, okay. That's, I mean, I mean who does uses that word in general anymore? I mean, I, I just feel like the word is just not used as much well, Does it make sense? evolution, evolution, visibility, um, aff affirming and celebrating, you know what I mean? Like words are created that when that are not affirming, you know what yeah. I mean? Then so then words are created so they are that it is affirming. So that's what this dictionary is truly about. It's about celebrating the language, um, celebrating the people, the stories, the identity and the pride. And I created it um, first, you know, back in 2006 when I started it was to um, really celebrate and, and give visibility and, and, um, and credibility to the ballroom scene, you know, to black gay men, you know, to the black gay scene um, for language that they create that gets appropriated, you know, into, um, you know, mainstream society, you know what I mean? Um, and, and often misused, but to just give credit where credit is due. I also wanted to create this because, you know, I, you know, I just wanted to find something that helped me, you know, figure out who I am and my identity, right? So learning words like heteroflexible and bicurious and 
you know, um, Demi. Explain said, that. Explain that for people. I mean, I've read your book. Yeah, so. I'm gonna. But, yeah, I'm gonna. Yeah. So, um, so I'll finish. Like, but just learning the progression of like my identity, like understanding, like back in the day, like mm, Chloe, maybe you were heteroflexible. Heteroflexible meaning like you're heterosexual. You haven't had necessarily any um, experience, like same sex or queer experiences. But you know, it's not like you look down on it. But it's just it hasn't happened to being like bi curious, being like. You know, particularly me, because I identify as female and woman, you know, if I see, you know, another female woman and I'm like, hmm, you know, she's pretty, you know what I mean? Like, are you interested, Chloe? You know what I mean? Like, like having that happen, like in college, um, but still kind of like, I don't know, right? <laughs> because our heteronormative right. society, what's yeah. heteronormative? this means like our, the normativity of our society was, is based in this idea and principle that someone has to be heterosexual and has to be cisgender to be heard, seen, valued, appreciated. If not, then you are other, right? Um, you know, and feeling uncomfortably like, okay, well, I can't, I'm not supposed to like another girl, right? Um, to being like, well, I like a girl, I do. Um, I actually love her, but I'm scared. I can, I can, I can like her in spaces that, you know, affirm this, but I, but I feel scared if I'm in spaces that, doesn't affirm this so you can call that like closeted or semi-closeted right but that's the that's the when the the, uh, the uh the down low is as they say for the, the i mean you know yeah you could say that but i mean i guess it's not down low if you're out you're just not saying nothing yes yeah, so, no so it's like yeah it's different when when someone is visible like in settings like like if you're in a you know, in a setting that like affirms your identity, yeah, you feel good about it. You know, it's not that you're on the download. No, you're here. But then you, and when you're in spaces that don't affirm that, then you're kind of like, okay, I'll be quiet. You know what I mean? So it's not about, download's a little different. Download is, um, and we also have to be careful with these terms we want to say. Like I said, words can empower and hurt. Definitely. But download was created in a way where um, particularly there were uh, men Black gay men, black men, I'm not gonna call them gay, but black men who um, um, wanted to have, whether it be romantic or sexual relationships with other men, but not open and honest with their uh, primary partner who was oftentimes um, a woman, like a cisgender woman. And so, and, and you're not being honest about that type of uh, affair. That is where download came from not necessarily from someone who is just wanting to celebrate or affirm or be authentic in who, in who they are, but scared to do it in a heteronormative society. Those are two different things. You know, um, sometimes download is associated because you have a partner that you're not being honest with. That's the difference. Not just someone who's just like, I don't, I don't have a partner. My partner is actually someone who I love or desire, but society doesn't want to accept that. So did they, I mean, this, cause which one came first, the R. Kelly song or, or the term down low? I've always, I just never knew the etymology of like how. I, you know what? I really don't, I really don't know. Um, <laughs> I've always thought like, which one came first? And maybe we just didn't know that like, 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 like T and Reed. I didn't know that that was coming from that ballroom scene. Yeah, exactly. So was it already been a term in the early nineties? Yeah, no, the T and shade came from the late sixties. Wow. <laughs> These, yes, like these, this language is, this language has history. And I think that's the other thing to, well, let me finish out with myself. So yeah. we're trying to create, you know, a dictionary that, um, that helps me and like understand who I am. And then, so now I just truly advocate 
for having those like deeper conversations around diversity, inclusion, you know, sexual orientation, um, gender identity and expression, because, you know, we all evolve, we all grow. We don't all have to fit in this box. And just because we were like this in one part of our lives doesn't mean we're gonna be like that in our later part of our lives. And so I just, I try to encourage people to wherever you identify along the spectrum, just to dive deeper into you, you know what I mean? Because it's not just about, like I said, it can be relationship orientation. Like, are you poly, you know? Do you believe only in monogamy? Are you open? Um, based on your partner, will it be flex flexibility? Based on your sexual relationship, is it kink? Is it fetish? You know, is it- But, the, is but those are conversations people don't want to have, Chloe. Those exactly, <laughs> exactly. But, but, but what I'm trying to say is, you know, identity is all of that. It's yeah. all of that. It's, it's all of what your makeup is. And it's okay to have conversations about it. It's okay to feel good about who you who you are, what you like, and what you don't like. It's okay. So it's, it's it's ill you saying this. So I literally came back from Iowa before we did this from work, and one of because uh, I went to college, so a lot of my friends are up there still. So one of my friends, he's dating a lesbian woman, and it was ill having the conversation with her yesterday at dinner because she was saying basically she's in love with my friend, but she does identify as lesbian. She's like, but I'm not. Um, what is it? Oh man. Uh, I would, I would, I, first of all, you never put labels on people. Right. And that's what she said. That's just like she says. Cause I, yeah. cause I was, I said is, uh, did you, did you watch game of Thrones? No. Oh I, man. I'm trying to I mean, I've seen uh, some episodes, but I'm not like the heart, you know, I'm not like, <laughs> I mean, I think it's a great show, but yeah, I read the book I and I, I watched second. the show. I did the whole, I, I was, I was nerded out on it. Uh, but, uh, pansexual. So I said, are you yes. pansexual then? And she's like, no, I don't like the term like that in general. You know, like if you had to define it, I guess if you had to define, like put me in a box, she said, I'm a lesbian woman, but I'm in love with a man. Yeah, and, that, and that's exactly what it is. And we have to all respect that. Um, but I was going to say there is a term in the dictionary called lesbian flexible or les, les yeah, lesbian flexible, right? Um, it's the opposite of hetero flexible where it's. Yeah, that's right. And you can have homo flexible, you know, lesbian, lesbian, lesbian flexible. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's just one of those things. But however she identifies is exactly that. If she says I'm a lesbian, but I'm just in love with this man, that's what it is. Yeah, and it was, and she was like, basically it's a narrative that people are scared of when it comes to like all these questions you're saying, like if, to being poly or being, is like, it's just a narrative that we put on ourselves. Yeah, I, well also it's again, being in this, what what is norm, normal? What is normativity? Um, and unfortunately, it is what is the majority, what is uh, whoever holds the power says what is right and what is not. And that's unfortunate because that's not a true depiction of identity, right? It, it leaves out people, it leaves out min min minority identities, it leaves out Blackness, it leaves out, you know, um, Latino, Latina, Latinx, it leaves out the AAPI, it leaves out the disability, dis disabled, it leaves out, you know, um, the immigrants, it just leaves out people. Right. And yeah. so I think with the dictionary, I wanted to not do that. I wanted it to be from a very inclusive view, from a very inclusive lens for that wherever you are, however you identify, hopefully you see yourself in the book. That that was where it was coming from. Um, and it was the opportunity to just sit with so many people and talk about stories, talk about language, how it affirms, how it doesn't, how it challenges to learn more about you know, uh, history, LGBTQI plus history, but honestly, to learn more about Black history. And that's what I'm saying. The ballroom scene is part of Black history. Yeah. 
want to acknowledge it or not. It is. It just is. Like the ballroom scene actually was created in Harlem in New York City in the late 1960s, early 1970s, because Crystal LaBeja, um, this uh, Black woman, she was a drag queen, um, but trans woman, yeah. um, and you call them you call them femme queens. That's what in the in in the ballroom scene mm -hmm. when they compete in balls. That's it's femme queen, but but she was tired of like these drag balls that I mean uh, these um drag pageants that were had this like white narrative. You know they were. <laughs> You know, white drag queens, and she was like, "I'm over this shit." You know what they I mean? They play, they playing, uh, they playing Aerosmith at theirs, and you, they want to hear Marvin Gaye. Well, you know, it's just, it's just one of those things where it's like, you know, no matter how beautiful you are, you're just not gonna rep, uh, acknowledge my black beauty. You know, and she was tired of that, so she said, "I'm gonna start my own," and so that's how the ballroom scene was created to a to be able for 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 drag queens of color, whether you be black, whether you be you know Latina, Latino, Latinx. To be able to have a space that's affirming that celebrates who you are and your all of your identity whether you know you're gay whether you're trans or whatever um and also from that building this house culture so that's when you hear houses like house of la beja or house of Anza, but you're building these houses because what we have to realize is that a lot of um young people wherever you are whether you black white wherever but a lot of young people are not supported because of their gender identity and gender or gender identity expression and sexual orientation by their biological family and a lot of people are put out they're rejected by from their family um some sometimes even abused violent you know have uh, violence placed against them and so what the ballroom scene did particularly for you know the black and the latinx scene um children were were to like build and foster this family environment where they could thrive so that's why you do have the house mother and the house father and the children. You know, this was a house structure to truly mentor these young people to, and, and have them grow up in a space where they feel their most authentic selves and be celebrated in that. So beyond the language, we have to talk about the history and the reason for it. Like the ballroom scene is not just about cat, 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 cat. It's not, only, <laughs> you know, it's more, it's more than that. It is about really having a safe space for people of color. You know what I mean? Like. For the gay, the trans, the bi, you know what I mean, the queer, the non-binary scene, you know, to be celebrated, to not deal with homophobia and transphobia and racism. And, you know, our Black community also, we got to do better. You know, we don't want to talk about it, but we also have to have to stop against our this homophobia and transphobia we give our, you know, our, our Black gay and queer um, brothers and sisters. We have to stop. So, especially if we're going to take their language. Like, Real Housewives, <laughs> we're going to talk all day about, you know, what's the tea? Yeah. T-E-A, it's T with a capital T because it means truth. It means what's the truth. What's the truth? That's yes. where it came from. What's the truth? Not what's the tea, not what's sipping tea, but what's the truth? What's the tea? Um, all tea, all truth, right? So that's where that comes from. Like, did you see Lovecraft Country, the TV show? Mm-hmm, I loved it. Yeah, so it was that factual that, that um because he was in a, was he in a ballroom scene? Um. Mm, let's go back. Yes. Let me, let me talk about it. The okay. Yeah. 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 I mean, yeah. Let's talk about it. Let's talk about the home Renaissance. Well, first of all, gay people, queer people, trans people, bi people. We, I mean, it's always been here. It's just always visible. And so that's what also language was created to, to, to be safe, to be protected because, you know, that was, it was illegal. It was illegal to be a cross-dresser. It was illegal to, you know, um, uh, have same-sex relationships it's just it was illegal so of course another thing too language was created for protection but let's talk about 
the more black history. So when we talk about Langston Hughes and Zora Hurston and Josephine Baker and Ethel Waters and Ma Rainey and Alan Locke and Richard Nugent, right? These were gay, bi, queer people. And we don't celebrate them. We celebrate them for being black and excellent and you know vibrant and prolific writers and artists and dancers and musicians. But we don't want to talk about that they were gay and bi and queer. We don't want to talk about that. Why don't we do well, that? I was reading, they said Langston Hughes may have been um, um, asexual, not even. <laughs> sure, however, yeah. whatever, but. Yeah, but, but we don't celebrate their whole being of who they are, that's just their right. art. That's right. You know what I mean? And, and that's problematic. And so, you know, when we, in the life, in the closet, these words are over a century old and they came from the Harlem Renaissance. You know, Graham, okay. hype, Rifa over a century old and came from the Harlem Renaissance, right? Oh, Re oh no, no, Rifa did. I was, Rifa, I think, yeah, okay. but, but these, um, these words, you know, you know, were part of like this, this vibe. And in the Harlem Renaissance, you know, we talk about um, drag balls, but also faggot balls, right? And there were places where, you know, um, it's kind of like what you saw the ballroom scene, but it was during the 1920s because they had the dance, they had the music, they had the, um, the, the ambiance and the effect. And it was so celebrated that over 3,000 people would come to these faggot balls wow. at the, you know, Hamilton Lounge or the Savoy, uh, Savoy Club, right? They would come and see it because they wanted to see what so was at the Savoy, the like the Savoy, Savoy, the, the, the famous Savoy? Yeah. yeah. In, in New York City, in Harlem, yeah. Yeah. So, you know, that's also part of Black history and Black culture that we don't necessarily dive into, but I think it's really important. You know, we don't want, we don't want to create erasure, right? Just like we mm -hmm. were Juneteenth, right? And um, understanding, you know, that story, we're learning, you know, more, well, some people are learning more about what happened with the Tulsa massacre, but just because people didn't know about it didn't mean it didn't happen. And I think it's like history's there just because you you weren't aware of it doesn't mean it doesn't happen and we have to learn more about it so we don't forget it and we create erasure and we create this narrative that's just not right right so you know knowing more about the Harlem Renaissance and what it and what it did and and this and that like gayness and queerness was definitely a heartbeat of it you know it's mm -hmm. this, this quote I love that you know the Harlem Renaissance was just as gay as it was black you know so we have to you know I just I think the most important thing is I, I want to share stories, but I want to share Black stories. You know, I want to share like the essence of who we are and all of our greatness. You know, I want to uplift everybody regardless of their identity. And so that was another reason why it was important to write this dictionary. I started off with the ballroom scene, but then I kept going down the rabbit hole and I was like, oh, wow, the Harlem Renaissance, you know, and learning more about my culture, you know, and wanting to teach that, wanting to teach that you know, to everyone and wanting to also say, like there's this big part in the dictionary, it says, um, which the dictionary is very colorful and vibrant and fun, but it they have usage notes. So I will say like this term originated in black American culture and has been appropriated by, and commonly used in the gay and queer community, but has been appropriated by mainstream culture or the LGBTQI plus community at large. You know, I put that in there because, you know, appropriation is real. Appropriation yeah. is in our language and our clothing and our style and our dance, and our, and our hairstyles, you know. And Did you see that thing with the TikTok kids are all? Oh, so you, okay, you just went. Oh, okay, I just saw that this morning. Again, appropriation. Appro yeah. It's unfair. It's unfair. Like you know, our creativity is so vast and broad and beautiful and dynamic and flourishing, but it's always taken away from us. And I was like, you know what? I have this platform, and I'm gonna make sure for these words. And I did it for everything, whether it be from the Black American 
um, you know, culture, from the ballroom scene, from the black gay scene, black lesbian scene, or from the aromantic asexual scene or the non-binary scene. You know, I made sure to say this word was, you know, originated from the scene or, or this word was, uh, is commonly used in this community. You know, I made sure to write that down because, you know, mainstream as a whole has this idea to say, oh, we'll take it. <laughs> don't acknowledge yeah. you don't acknowledge where it comes from and that creates erasure you know what I mean like on TikTok yeah you know these 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 young black um you know artists are like we not creating no more you know <laughs> you create your own stuff and you can't right because you're always taking shit always I mean our music it can go on and on and on and I think um with this dictionary it was twofold it was it was a celebration of truly what the you know the spectrum of identity looks like, but it's also a celebration of blackness and and black gayness and black queerness and just you know black transness and um, just making sure the world understands the many stories you know because it's important. Has the response been uh, from for your for your book? You feel like how to like have you is are some some people in the uh, the LGBT community like you you giving up all the goods? That's supposed to be that's supposed to be on the low low. That was just our kind of language on the low. You giving out, you you diamond is out. No, you know, it's funny. I keep getting asked that question, but. No, okay. <laughs> so I'm not the only, because I, I feel like there's sometimes with, with black uh, terminology, I feel like sometimes we've let too much language that's internal leak out to everyone. Where you know shit, some things Write it down. Kind of Write it down. Let me tell, let me tell you something. First, well, first of all, I've gotten, I've received so many great reviews, so many uh, affirming um reviews because and honestly my journey has been nothing but affirming because of the sensitivity that I took in making sure that it was done it was done right like I'm, the book has gone through so many different sensitivity reads from the people in the community to say does this feel affirming does this feel right what do we need to add and first and foremost like in my introduction I say that this language is not to be used flippantly and if you're not part of the community it is not for you to use period <laughs> right you to understand the dynamic and vastness of again human identity this is a book for understanding. This is a book for those who want to understand themselves more, want to understand their loved ones, want to be better allies, want to have deeper conversations with DEI, diversity, equity, inclusion. So this book has gotten a lot of praise and I'm very happy about it. I'm even excited that it's even in the UK and in Europe. Um, it just released this month. Um, so no, this book is celebrated because it was done right as, as the best I could. I, I'm very sensitive about making sure the information in there is authentic, is right, um, so that's why you have these usage notes and you have to say that this term is pejorative or this term may be considered derogatory or this term, you know, was once derogatory, but, but has been reclaimed or this term should only be, in, only be used if a person identifies as such, you know what I mean? Like, yeah, not, it's a dictionary, but it's instructions, you know, but it's also dives into like helping, you know, um, those who, who, who need more gender affirming practices to stand firm in themselves to learn how to tuck to learn how to bind like who's having these conversations if you don't have a nobody mentor, is <laughs> exactly, if you don't have a mentor to help you along this journey which happens a lot then you know what's happening you know what i mean so this is this is this is i know all my all the listeners are like tuck and bind i don't even know i mean i i know but i'm like yeah, so you, and that's the thing you you have to you know you have to get the dictionary but i'm i'm just talking about um you know things that help us just stand firm in, in who we are but i was saying about black language right so mm -hmm. I did doing this dictionary anytime something came from black american culture inclusiveness and the inclusiveness of being gay, bi, trans, or queer, you know, you don't dismantle 
your identity of, of your sexual orientation and gender identity just because you're black. And I think we have a problem with that. You know, um, mm. we'll say if words came from the black American culture and commonly used in the gay and queer scene, um, I will say that, you know what I mean? But I will say, so I, this book is published by um, Clarkson Potter, which is an imprint of Penguin Random House. I will say that I was, um, I was asked to cite sources as to where my black language, my black American language came from. I'm not lying. I was asked, well, where are the sources? So this is why I say we got to write shit down because <laughs> no, thank God. So I live in New York, um, the Schomburg Center, which is amazing. I was able to find two, only two, but I was able to find two dictionaries where I can go up, flip through and say, ooh, coin. Coin came from da 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 da. Yes, and is and it was you know Black American or you know um, or used within the Harlem Renaissance Black gay scene. I was able to I was able to I was able to see that. You know what I mean? And so that's what I'm saying. Like, but there were two dictionaries. One written in I want to say like the 80s. You know, one in the 70s. You know, but what, where's the dictionary now? Where's the dictionary in 2021? I don't know. Maybe I'm supposed to write it. I don't know. <laughs> Maybe you are. There you go. That's the second one. But what I'm saying is we do have to write things down. We do, we do have to claim what's ours because things keep taken away because, because of this way America works or the world works, you have to write it down. You have to be, it has to be scholarly. It has to be academic for it to be right. And I do wanna dismantle that stigma because that, that is unfortunate, that is not fair, but we do have to own what's ours, like make it a copyright, trademark it. Um, <laughs> books put the stamp on it because we sometimes you got to play by the damn rules play yeah. by the, so you can break them so then you can create the rules you know and that's what it is like things have been taken away from us because we haven't had the opportunity not because we're not capable but because you know because of racism because of marginalization and oppression we haven't had the opportunity to you know be in these spaces to write and to publish our own things and to say no this is the way you know what i mean like this is this is the like the black the new black renaissance is happening now and we all just need to really make sure that we're part of it and making sure like we do things to say no this is ours this is our stamp this is our trademark this is our writing this is you know this is our music we have to do it because people are gonna keep stealing our shit <laughs> that's true that's real. as on tiktok as on yeah. tiktok you know like what can we do to protect those young artists those young black artists like what can we do we got to figure it out because there's no way that that the brainchild is this black beautiful body, but the one who is making millions doesn't look like the originator. You know what I mean? Yeah. That's not fucking fair. It's not fair. Yeah. No. Yeah. No. That's real. I mean, I, that you're like the third person that said like writing stuff down makes anything official. That I've I've literally heard in the last week. And that's and that's why I said it's gonna be a dictionary. And it's gonna it's gonna be a dictionary, but it's also gonna be an encyclopedia. It's gonna be a history book. I'm, I did it all. Because if I had a platform, I just wanted to make sure like it's stamped. Now people know this word came from the Black gay scene. Now people know that this has been appropriated from Black American culture. You has know? anyone challenged you? Like, no, that didn't come from it. That came from Leroy in Texas no, on, I mean, on but the 15th of June. But you know, he was- <laughs> I mean, but that's what sensitivity reads are for, right? Yeah. Um, that And that's what I had uh, so many sensitivity reads prior to that. You know, because I want to get that all out the way. You know, of course, there's other interpretations. And guess what? They're valid. They're fair. They're honest. This is my brain, my support system, you know, but there's so many other words. There's so many other ways and views to look at it. But I did the best that I can do. And I feel good about what I accomplished. So, yes, I feel like 
there, there's always going to be challenges. Why not? Thank you. And because of those challenges, it made it better. It made me dig even harder. It made me go to the Schomburg and say, okay, you, you want a quote? You want a source? I'm going to give you source on page 554. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. and that's okay. I'll do the work. You know, this is not, this wasn't something that, that I joked about. Like this was, this is my passion. You know what I mean? This yeah. I worked 15 years on this, right? So I wasn't, I wasn't trying to come with mess, but I'm also an artist. And I understand there's always going to be criticism and that's fine. I, I understand that. But as long as the book is getting in the hands of people that need it, that want it, that deserve it, that deserve the recognition, that deserve to be seen, that deserve the visibility, that want to dive deeper into the people they love, to dive deeper into themselves, then that's valid. That's all I need. So criticism, sure. But if I'm getting emails and texts from people, you know, literally around the world saying, thank you, I feel seen, or this helped me, you know, navigate um, where I want to go in life, or this helps me understand my trans son or my trans daughter, you know what I mean? I'm good. I'm good. I did. The, I did my work. You did. No, I mean, that's the first one that I've seen is yours. So you have the definitive people abuse sourcing your book now of like, you know, this came from this. And then, you know, obviously they can go back and source, you know, along the way, man. And this is also where can they get the book at? Like, where can they get it? Yeah, so uh, of course, visit the website www.thequeensenglishus.com or follow us at the Queens English US. But you can get that at any Barnes and Noble, any local bookstore. I know in St. Louis, it's at Left Bank Books. Yep. It's um, at the Barnes and Noble Ledoux location. I actually signed some copies, but I don't know if they're there still. <laughs> you can definitely, of course, order it on Amazon. It's there. Um, but yeah, any any of your local bookstores, and if they don't have it, even at your library, there there um, you can you can check it out at the library. But um, if it's not there, tell them to order it, um, and definitely you know use it as a tool to learn about yourself, learn about people you love. Um, use it as a tool in your you know educational institutions, your schools, um, and definitely at your jobs. I mean, th this type of conversation needs to happen. All right, so this is our last part. I play a little game called This or That. You get two choices of two different things. You only <laughs> can choose one. Maybe it's maybe three sometimes, depends on it's, my questions vary okay. from, from guest to guest. All right, first one Emos are Chinese food, St. Louis Chinese food. St. Louis Chinese food. Look, <laughs> I, I travel around the world and nobody got. Chinese I've had arguments when I lived in New York with people all the time. Like, I'm like, I'm no. trying to tell first you. All, first of all, I need my my pep, my red pepper. And I also need my sweet and sour sauce. <laughs> sweet and sour sauce. So yes, when I come home, I'm like, Daddy, can we order some Chinese food? <laughs> so, so Chinese like food emos. over emos. I, yeah, I didn't really like emos, not gonna lie. I didn't really oh, like wow. Emos. Okay. Okay. All right. Next. Juice. Or above the rim. Oh man! I kept two New York New York movies. I flipped it up to New York. I don't, I don't know. I mean, it's like juice because it's just like now you got the juice. You know? What I mean? <laughs> <laughs> Maybe juice. I'll say juice. Okay. All right. Um, Dream Girls or Poor G and Bess. Dang, you can't do that. I had that written down before you even talked yeah, about it because I was I thinking of like black uh, musicals. You know, 
Gosh, I don't know. I, that, I can't. <laughs> you got to choose one. I can't. I mean, because like, first of all, summertime, summertime, summertime came from Porgy and Bess. That is like, that is the most uh, popular song, Porgy and Bess, because summertime is the most popular song in, in the world. Okay. So over Drink Girls. All right. Samples. Yeah. So I'm going with, I'm going with Porgy and Bess. All right. Carmen or Stormy Weather? Stormy Weather, because I love Catherine Dunham. Okay. Okay. All right. This one's a this is one is a musical one, so be ready. All right, Jay Z or Nas? <laughs> oh, I, okay, I love Jay. <laughs> Jay Z. Okay. All right, Anita Baker or Sade? <laughs> okay, Sade. We have the same birthday. Uh, okay, okay. Same birthday, January sixteenth. But Anita Baker. Let me tell you, my mama only listened to Anita Baker all throughout my life. So driving in the car. I hope I hope hey man, you, I see. If I heard it come from my mama room, I know she was having some. She was going through some things. Right. So I was like, look, I don't go in there. Yeah, that's <laughs> but I'm gonna go with Shadi. All right, different world or Cosby Show? A different world. Oh, because you obviously because you went to Hampton HBCUs. Uh, <laughs> I um, uh, Howard or Hampton? Huh? <laughs> Howard or Hampton? <laughs> You know the real H-U is Hampton. <laughs> the real I mean, it's a lot of Howard listeners. I don't, I don't know where they go. And, and guess what, Howard? Guess what? The real H-U is Hampton. However, even though I already know the history, so don't come with me. <laughs> but I will say, though, Hampton, um, Howard is killing it right now, you know, with um, having Felicia Rashad as the new dean. Um naming their liberal arts program after um chadwick you know I, I think that's excellent howard is definitely on the map keep going keep going but you know i went to hampton so the real hu is hampton university all right london and sons are cnk barbecue this is london all the st louis people london and sons london and sons you, you, you know you didn't like you didn't like you, that is that too old no, I like rope. I like what is it? Roper's ribs. Roper's ribs. <laughs> Maybe that. I would have Roper's ribs. Okay. Okay. So north side or south side? Or mother's fish. Oh, mother's. Yeah. <laughs> you know, there's a mother's in Clayton. Now? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they said we want your money too. <laughs> I think that's the most beautiful thing ever. Is that mother's is in the middle of downtown Clayton. We want your money too. <laughs> it's nice too. I've been in there. It's nice. That's nice. Let's make the cities nice too. Yeah, yeah. This is the last one. This is probably maybe the hardest one potentially. Okay. All right. Catherine Dunham or Fatima Robinson. Catherine Dunham. Okay. Oh wow. Okay. No Fatima Robinson without Catherine Dunham. Okay. 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 I thought I was doing old school versus new school. No. Let me tell you something about Catherine Dunham. Like Catherine Dunham. Pride of East St. Louis. Yeah, well, yes, but she, you know, Chicago actually. Yeah, She's, but we we love her too. But no, Catherine Dunham paved the way for any black woman to choreograph dance. Period. Catherine Dunham went into segregated spaces, and the reason why you know many places blacks can sit amongst you know even in the time of segregation, blacks can sit in the front seats because Catherine Dunham said, "I'm not going to perform unless." you know, this happened. So no, I, she, Catherine Dunham, you know, and this is the thing too, I want to say, no, Fatima Robinson, I think 
is great. She's doing an amazing job and she also is laying, you know, the groundwork for those to come after her. But what we always have to remember to do is honor those who came before us. We have to tell the history. We have to know that we didn't get here by ourselves. It is because those before us, you know, laid the groundwork, laid the foundation, did that hard work. And so now it's us, it's our time to do the hard work too. But Kathleen Dunham, people have to continue to pay her dues. And if we don't say her name, then people are not going to say her name. So we have to keep doing it. So, you know, I, 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 I will say her name. All right, well, Catherine Dunham versus Alvin Ailey then in a, in, a, in another match. Yeah. You still going you still going to go Catherine Dunham? Yeah. Okay, no, no, I man. Yeah. I'm just trying just trying to stretch you out and see. Yeah, I mean, I love Ailey too. You know what I mean? And he and again, he he stands on the shoulders of her and he, and and you know, the Camille Browns and, you know, Fatima and and all of these other amazing choreographers will stand on the shoulders of him, but you know, I think it's beautiful that what he created and um, also Judith Jameson taking it to this way that now Alvin Ailey is like, you know, it is internationally known. It is, it is the, it is the dance company for the world, you know, and it represents, you know, black faces. So I, I think that's important. So it's, you know, it's hard to like, you know, say which one is which, but I still go back to Catherine Dunham. All right. This is my last one. I, I just looked at it. This is a, you have three, you have to, you have to choose three people. You're in a dance off against <laughs> another set of people and you have to choose three different dancers to join you three different styles. One has to be jazz dance, one person ballet and one person hip hop who you choose for your squad. I would just, you know what, honestly, look, I'm part of this company called Camille Brown and Dance. You just gonna go to your company for you? Yeah, we so fucking legit. Yes, anybody in this company. Give me Camille. Give me, <laughs> give me Mike J. Give me Kat. And we good. And we good. Give me Malik. Give me Winston. Give me Jay. Yeah. <laughs> I thought you were gonna say turbo or something from uh breaking. Like, let me get turbo. Uh, I, I'm get, in uh, a. I'm in a wonderful. Like, we're actually in a this creative. Um, as I put my hair, we're actually in the creative residency right now. Um, no, they're they're absolutely amazing. I feel like my my coworkers are brilliant. So I would <laughs> take your dance company. <laughs> and what's that dance company again? For people who can check it out. Check them. Check y'all out. Oh, so it's Camille A Brown and Dancers C A B D dot org, I believe, or Camille Brown and Dancers dot org. One or the other. I don't know. But so, so in this dance off versus uh you know, these random people in the alley, you're just bringing your dance company to this battle, this dance battle. And we'll kill it. <laughs> so, but they're battling though. So you don't, you know, they they out there, you know. Yeah, and we'll kill it. Like, so you, oh, so y'all got the battle. Y'all got the battle. Yeah, so think about the way, yeah. the way I envision it, like Beach Street, you know, the, the uh, subway scene in Beach Street, know, like that. <laughs> that's in my, my mind. That's what I was thinking, like yeah, uh, Beach I think, Street. You battle. know, one thing I want to say too about like the, the new age dancers, um, particularly if you come from like, you know, Black Dance, you know, oh, Ronald K. Brown, that's another company too. But, you know, you have to, you have to be diverse. Like you have to know ballet and jazz and point and, you know, African and hip hop and salsa and merengue and all of you just, you just have to be diverse. So, you know, that's our base. We know how to do it all. We, you know, I love it. My um, rehearsal director just passed away. Her name is um, Deborah Chase. Oh God bless. Thank you. Um, but she always says, change your hat, change your costume, because that's what you have to do, you know, mm. change, your hat, change your costume. Like, what is it? What is this giving? What is, is it? What style is it giving? You know, all of that. So. 
Well, Chloe, I've, I've learned a lot from this conversation. You, 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 you didn't drop some jewels on people. I'm sure people will, will love, love this conversation. Where can people hit you at up online as well and yeah. follow you and check you out? Um, my personal um, IG is Nez, N-E-Z underscore Davis. The book's IG is at the Queen's English U.S., um, and then, of course, the website, www. Did somebody else have that 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 before you had to put U.S.? Did somebody else have that? That's the thing. Yeah, someone had the Queen's English. So I thought, <laughs> I was like, oh, for the U.S. But now the book is in the U.K. and Europe. <laughs> so now it's the Queen's English, us, us. Yes. Oh, so you changed it to this, us. Us, yeah. Us. Yes, us, the Queen's English, us. And so, what, what, when is because before we started, you got Broadway coming back up. What's what's what is that again for people? So, um, so if you're in the Shy Town, um, I will. Uh, we start rehearsal, I think September 14th. Um, but we'll be in Chicago. I don't know. Don't get me lying about the dates, but it will be. I think like a, a November to late December run, or late October to um, December run, and then we head to Broadway in February of 2022. Okay, okay. You, we need to get you a Quofi man and get you over at the Muni. Oh, well, you know, I love the Muni. No, I I, I performed at the Muni many times. So. Oh, I re- I didn't know you performed at the Muni. Okay. Yeah, I performed at the Muni too. I did. Um, let's see. I did the Wiz there. I did their hundredth. Um, um anniversary gala and i also did all shook up okay sweet mm-hmm. chloe thank you for doing this this has been awesome i appreciate the time you gave to me with this this was this is awesome man i thank think people you. are gonna learn a lot and y'all gonna go cop the book and i'm just a regular smegular cisgender brother yes. and i enjoyed the book because who who came to my book signing and <laughs> Lewis? shout out shout out to um my Tara, but um, um, a blush, um, makeup on the boulevard, <laughs> that face beat. Um, but no, thank you for coming. No, this, I think that is a testament, like of the support, like this is something for us all to learn. You know, don't, it's not taboo y'all. It's, it's life. It's and don't, life. don't, you don't have to, you don't have to read it in your own, like on the, in the, in the corn line, man. Hold on. No, and it's beautiful. It's a, it's a very like visually stimulating book. It's colorful, it has illustrations, you know, yeah, so once again, go cop the book, y'all. Go get this woman's book. <laughs> check it out. It's good. It's good. Thank, Thank you, you, Chloe, once again. All righty. Well, I I love you. I appreciate you. I'm so proud of you for all you're doing. Thank you. Thank you. I'm I'm just trying. I'm just I'm just I'm just a, a couple of steps away from uh whatever that may be. <laughs> no, you're not, you're not trying. You're doing. Yeah, no, that's that's real. That's real. That's real. <laughs>